Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. We need a new leadership model in business today, one that values both people and results, where leaders see their role as serving instead of being served. In this podcast, my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts who help us explore different aspects of leadership. I know you'll be encouraged and inspired by what you hear and you'll walk away with ideas and insights that will help you be the type of leaders others want to follow. Ready to get started? I'll be back at the end of the interview where I'll share what I've learned and how I'll be putting it into action. Now enjoy this installment of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Joel Peterson, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Nice to be with you. It's so good to talk to you and, and, and about this fantastic new book, Entrepreneurial Leadership. When I think about kind of entrepreneurship and I think about the current workforce and, 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 and just the reality of, of industries and, and, and what jobs will or won't be, when I think about that, I think like now is the, one of the best times ever to, to think about things in more of an entrepreneurial mind shift. Why do you feel like the world needs more entrepreneurial leaders? Well, I try to make the distinction between entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial leaders. Entrepreneurs typically light fires, innovate. We've always needed those. But people who can actually create durable change, who know how to manage it once it's started, uh, once they've opened a market or whatever, we need those people everywhere. We need them in our institutions, in our churches, in our schools. Uh, so there's a whole set of skills that I think are really valuable for the entrepreneurial leader. One of only one of which is being able to innovate. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, our listeners typically, you know, they're here, they're listening because they want to better themselves. They want to bring more to the table at all the different places you talked about: work, school, church, home, family. When you talk about these kind of skills you want to build up, you talk about building trust, creating a mission, securing a team, and then also uh, delivering your results. Trust, you lead off with that. Why is that so important to you? I think it's the currency of being able to lead anything, particularly in early stage or in turnaround. You know, if you don't have trust within your team and with suppliers, creditors, uh, investors, whatever, you have a very hard time. You can't document everything. You can't have double riveted agreements on everything. It takes too long. It's too difficult. There are too many conflicting interests and you spend all your time managing the paperwork. So you really have to build a high trust ecosystem. And if you can do that, that's the beginning point for it. So let's let's talk about trust. Let's dig a little bit deeper into that from your perspective. And you are, well, to say the least, you're a, a bit of a, a busy man. You're a chairman of uh, JetBlue Airways, Airways, rather. You're founding partner of, uh, of a uh, investment management firm. You're also uh, uh, you know, a professor out at Stanford. So uh, it's safe to say uh, you have opportunities to build, lose, and regain trust in a lot of different situations with a lot of different places. When you look at trust, what is one of the most important things you need to do to kind of build a foundation so you don't have to reinvent the wheel with every new audience? Well, I think the main thing is that you have to have a covenant with the people that you're dealing with where they believe that you are a fiduciary, where you're looking out for their interests as well as your own, where they can trust you, where you're transparent, you communicate clearly, you're respectful, you have integrity, 
Um, you empower them and rely on them to deliver on promises and you deliver on your own promises. I mean, we've all run into trustworthy people and untrustworthy people and we kind of begin to recognize the pattern over time. And uh, so I think the main thing is that you, you have to start out by becoming trustworthy yourself. So let's talk about trust in, in terms of integrity and in terms of, of, uh, of how people kind of view that. Uh, how do you define integrity in terms of entrepreneurial leadership? Well, I think integrity is the beginning point where you, there's no gap between what you say you're going to do and what you do. And there's really no gap between how you uh, behave in your personal life and how you behave in your professional life. There is an integrity, the kind of integrity that engineers think of as structural integrity, where everything fits and uh, supports everything else. That kind of integrity is usually built up over a lifetime in a whole series of relationships. Um, and to me, that's the beginning point of, uh, of trust. You talk about, uh, you know, creating a personal brand. Why is that so important? Well, it's interesting. People, uh, know you by, uh, your fruits. They know you by uh, what you stand for. And if you were to interview a bunch of your friends, you'd start to see the same words appearing. I had an experience one time with a daughter of mine who was applying to college and we talked about, and the question was, uh, what are the five adjectives that would apply to you? And we ended up spending a couple of hours talking about really what were those adjectives? Was she determined or stubborn? Hmm. Was she driven or, you know, um, and, and and so defining uh, that and f really figuring out the nuances uh, around those brands become very powerful. We talked a little bit about your background, what you're currently doing. Um, and so you've got to, uh, you know, you're a bit of a juggler. You've got to, to weigh all of those things I talked about, but also you, you just mentioned one of your daughters. Um, you've, you've also got that personal life as well. Why is it so important for, for you um, with the success, success you've had and what you're trying to accomplish with entrepreneurial leadership? Why is it important to protect your, your personal life as well? Well, I think people who have a, have a hole in their personal lives tend to make compromises. They're not as secure they're not as safe. They don't have a they don't have a safe place to go in their lives. I think people who are secure in their personal lives uh, are more reliable over time. They uh, they, have, they have a safe place to go. They recreate uh, with family and friends and things outside of work. People who are strictly devoted to professional lives tend to become one-sided and they become less trustworthy. So that's an interesting take, and I, I think about uh, trust, and and what I think one of the most important um, skills uh, within trust is how do you rebuild that? And so, one of, you know, one of the things we want our listeners to be able to do is kind of take away some tips. So, um, what would be your your thoughts and your ideas? You know, if trust is so important to to develop and to build, um, where does somebody go if if they need to kind of rebuild that trust? Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because Harper Collins bought AMA. I, so I wrote the 10 Laws of Trust with AMA and HarperCollins bought it and they wanted to do a second edition. And the question they asked was, uh, what do people ask when you talk to them about this? And the, one of my answers was, how do I overcome betrayal? 
And I said, you know, everybody who's trusted has been betrayed at some point or another. If you never trust, you'll never be betrayed. But there are two kinds of betrayal. One is that people just disappoint. They don't deliver on a promise. And that's a form of betrayal. It may be because of a misunderstanding. It may be because there was an intervening variable. Uh, The main thing to do with that kind of a betrayal is address it up front, right away, fix it. Uh, communicate on it and don't let any uh, mistrust develop because of it. That's one kind of betrayal. The other kind is where somebody actually lies, cheats, or steals, and uh, where it's a kind of a conscious betrayal. In my experience, the best thing to do with those is get out of business with that person uh, as fast as you can, and then somehow move on. I think if you don't forgive, if you don't move on, if you don't uh, start living in the future, you're actually going back to the scene of the crime in a way that will damage you more than it'll damage them. So I think that kind of betrayal you have to let go of and move on. That's great advice. Great advice. So let's talk uh, kind of the next stage or the next uh, um, area of focus for entrepreneurial leadership is around creating a mission. So you know, we've all heard that, and in, in some cases, we've we've rolled up our sleeves and in conference rooms, and we've worked on developing our mission. If you if you have a career of any substance, you've done things like that. What do you, what what is your advice for someone to create their own mission statement? How would somebody get started doing that? Well, I think the first thing I would issue is a caution. I think a lot of the mission statements that we see are. Uh, nice sounding, but they really are not motivating. They're not inspiring. And exactly. if it's an organizational one, people don't own it, really. Yep. It's handed down from on high. Now, your question was about doing it for yourself. Right. I think some of the time-tested examples are things like writing your own eulogy. You know, what would you like to be known for? But the exercise I described with my daughter, think of the five adjectives you'd like to be associated with. Uh, that's a way to start. Say, you know, this is kind of, what are my, what's my brand? Um, But actually your mission should help you find meaning in your life. You know, we're all solving for meaning at some level in our lives. Your mission should describe what is the meaning? What are your goals? Uh, And then is your life aligned with that, with those goals? Yeah, is is what I'm doing today going to take me to where I want to be in the future and and what I want to accomplish? Great advice. So, what are some other tips when you think about, uh, you know, the the end goal in mind as you talk about, you know, that, that, that exercise of writing your obituary and so, you know, what you're going to be remembered for? How do you create alignment in your life so that, that, that those paths continue to take you on that path? Well, so I think in, in writing it down and getting it uh, memorialized, one of the important things is to spend some time wordsmithing to make it memorable. There was a playwright by the name of Tom Stoppard who said, uh, words are sacred. If you choose the right ones and put them in the right order, you can nudge the world a little bit. And I think if you pick the right words around your own mission statement, it's actually quite inspiring and it's memorable. You don't have a hard time conjuring it up. Again, it's present with you. So I think that's one of the the more important elements of getting your uh, mission right. A second thing that I always think about is getting it aligned with behaviors, with your whole system. There's a whole system of of getting things done in life. If your mission isn't aligned with how you're going to go about doing things, the wheels will fall off. You'll never really get it done, and then it will just cause heartbreak. 
One of the things I love about about Ken Blanchard, and I've shared this on a, on a previous podcast, is is uh, you're you're very clear on where that man stands, and and you see him behind the curtain, in front of the current. You see him tired late late night after a long flight. He is the same guy, um, and I think that that really speaks to what he wants. What he's very clear and sure of, of what his mission is and what he wants to bring. Um, that is so important, isn't it? I mean, you've got to be the person that you share because people, if they see holes in it, if they see that you you act a different way in different settings, it, it can kind of the whole house of cards can come down. Well, it comes back to the first issue we were talking about, trust. We learn to mistrust people where we see that gap. We see them saying one thing, describing their mission, their meaning as one thing, and then they behave in a way that's contrary to it. We mistrust them. And People are smart. They don't necessarily do the analysis of it, but they they have a sense that something's out of round. So the next stage you talk about is securing a team, and 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 I I, I look at that as putting I, what what is that saying? Yeah, you are the the five people you spend the most time. You are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. Something like that. I, it really is about you want to have people around you that are going to drive you, that are going to inspire you, that are going to keep you in check. You know, how do you go about ensuring that, that the team you have in place behind you is going to help you get to that next level? Well, I think there's a whole process. I think people often think about, well, I've got to hire the right people. And it sort of stops there. My experience is you really need to think through what is it need that I need? What skills are complementary to my? Where are my weaknesses? How can I hire someone who's complementary? So I think you start out by specking, you know, what do you need? And then I think you have to source broadly. You have to talk to a lot of people and not just among your friends or people who are like you. Then I think you have to do reference checking, onboarding, uh, coaching, reassigning, um, and in many cases, letting them go. You know, I'm talking to somebody that was really good at hiring people for one of the large institutions in the States. And uh, he said, you know, if you get it right two thirds of the time, you're world class. So you're going to make some mistakes. And I think one of the big mistakes people with putting a team on the field is they don't bench people who need to be benched and they don't trade them when they need to trade them. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the concept of, of entrepreneurial leadership, I mean, it's it leadership obviously is, is what you do with people. It's what, it's what you do uh, around on a daily basis. Let's talk about those people. What effects do you see from great entrepreneurial leaders? Um, how does that affect their, their motivation level? How, how does that affect their, their, um, their drive on a day-to-day basis? What are you seeing the effects of having these skills? Well, in my experience is if you really have a mission that they've bought into, they own the mission, They've helped develop the mission. It's theirs. You don't have to motivate them. It's what they're about. And to me, it's getting a team that is that enjoys the same mission, where we're all thinking the same thing. We're working for the same thing. We don't have to motivate each other in that case. Uh, so I, I think that's probably the main thing you do is just hire people who have and, and work with people who have the same objectives you've got. So you can be the greatest leader in the world, and if you don't deliver results, you and I both know, you're not going to be in that particular role very long. And so you spend a lot of time, and you get very detailed about very different aspects of delivering results and how to go about that. Um, what is the importance you place on delivering results, and how does it fit in into what you're trying to accomplish with this book? 
Well, if you kind of start with the idea that to be trusted means you deliver on promises, delivering results is the way that you increase trust levels. Uh, by increasing trust levels, you have people who have the same mission and you're able to assemble a great team. So they all work together. But I find that uh, in working with entrepreneurs, so I've invested in and worked, coached and been on oh, probably 35 or 36 boards over the years, that there really are about 10 or 12 things that everybody run, every single leader runs into. So what I tried to do was just put together uh, little essays on each of these, you know, to just say, here are the mindsets. You're going to run into problems with making decisions under conditions of uncertainty. How do you think about that? How do you think about making these tough calls? And what do you do? You're going to make some mistakes. What do you do about that? How do you go about selling? No business exists without revenue. So you're going to be selling. How do you think about the sales process and salespeople? And, and then just on down through a checklist of what are the things that you're going to run into as a leader of an organization so that you at least have a, a set of mindsets to refer to, a set of checklists. So let's pick some of those apart. I'm going to, I'm going to choose a, a few of the, of the deliver results categories, and, and I want to hear your take on that. And let's start with the one you, you kind of let off with about making decisions. Great leaders will, um, will be decisive. Great leaders, when, when, when the, there's a room full of the smartest people in the room and everybody's giving their recommendations, the great leader is the one that steps up and said, this is the way forward. Because somebody has to ultimately make that decision. How have you seen and what is your recommend, recommendation for somebody that, that wants to be a better leader, an entrepreneurial leader, when it comes to making those decisions? So my experience is uh, that the wisdom of the team is worth listening to. And so I don't think you just fly through the airspace, make a call and ask everybody to line up behind it. I think in the end, you want to reserve the ability to make the decision. But I think you want to hear from others and use the wisdom of the crowd, as it were, to come up with a conclusion. Uh, that said, you're still going to make mistakes. And I think leaders who are not humble hold on to their decisions. You know, they think, you know, because I made the decision, I can't show that I'm vulnerable. So I have to stick with it. My experience is you need to be able to back off, say we made a mistake, let's change course. So I think making decisions under conditions of uncertainty, I would say, number one, gather the wisdom of the group. Number two, make the call. Don't dally. Uh, make it as soon as you can. Then get everybody executing. No, no recriminations. And then if you need to make a change, make the change. That will allow the team to have confidence that you can move forward making decisions. Collaboration, but, but also decisiveness, and then also the ability to, to admit when you're wrong, move forward, and do the whole thing again, because that, that yeah. keeps coming back. So, okay, um, communication is such a key. And again, we've all had great leaders that are horrible communicators, um, and, and maybe, uh, and we've all had, uh, uh, communication shines through, I guess what I'd say, in a lot of different ways, where they're either very eloquent or they're very direct. Um, when you think about communication, and you think about how you want uh, if you were coaching somebody, how would you want them to show up differently um, and communicate better? So I think it's really important that people are transparent. I don't think they can have hidden agendas. The problem with having a hidden agenda is people know that you have it. They figure it out. People are smart. Even people who are trying not to communicate are actually communicating. So I think you're better off uh, being disclosive. I think it's important to communicate before, during, and after events and to communicate bad news as well as good news. Your team shouldn't hear 
disappointing news from the newspaper or for a competitor or uh, somehow in the marketplace. They ought to hear it from you. So just staying in constant contact. It's what I call lavish communications. You almost can't communicate too much. When you think forward and you think about uh, as things come up and, and, and let's say there is an issue uh, uh, and, and whether, whatever the adversity is that is facing the organization, what's the best way to deal with that? Well, in most cases, people know it already. They feel it in their bones. And I think the best thing to do is not just to describe the woe is me, but to say, here are the facts, here are the countervailing forces, and here is a plan. Uh, or here are the things that we're considering, or here's a plan to develop a plan. People don't like to just hand ring and then leave a meeting. They want to know that you are going to do something about it. So I've always found uh, when ventilating a problem to have a solution or a series of potential solutions for people to think about. It's it's much more um, more likely to build trust and energy if you're at least talking about what are we going to do about it. We're talking with Joel Peterson, author of Entrepreneurial Leadership. And Joel, time for just a, a few more questions and, and some of the tools around delivering results. Uh, two of the big ones that caught my eye because this is the, the reality of our, our workforce now. You talk about how to survive growth. And growth, a part of that is change, right? And, and if your organization is not growing, it's not changing, uh, you're probably not going to be surviving. And so what, what is some of the tips and tricks that you share to make sure that you are standing up on that mountain with others as this organization uh, grows and moves forward. Yeah, so we all need to grow. And if we're not growing, we're typically shrinking. But growth can be uh, excessive. We can have too much growth. We can have systems that are outstripping our ability to deliver. And I think the idea that what do you do when there's massive growth and change? Uh, and how do you how do you scale things? Um, I was talking to one large enterprise that said, uh, you know, we got to a billion dollars in sales and all of our systems failed. We hadn't anticipated it. And one, one failed, another failed. And pretty soon we were having a hard time surviving. Uh, so the notion of growth being great uh, is true, but too much growth can actually build weakness. So I think you have to uh, sort of think through how much growth can you uh, handle you have to hire ahead of the curve. It was like the old Wayne Gretzky quote that we hear all the time. He was successful because he skated to where the puck was going to be. In a sense, you have to anticipate the growth and skate to where it's going to take you. Uh, and then you have to survive rapid growth. It's, it's actually one of the reasons that companies fail. They grow too fast. You know, we're all not... Uh uh, chairmans at an organization like JetBlue, like you, where you can actually be the, the, the you know, you, you could be the driving force of change. So for a lot of the people and the listeners of, of the Leader Chat podcast, how would you recommend that they um, have a role if they want to help drive change in an organization? And I think that's what you really want people, you're advocating for that. You want people to drive change and, and help organizations evolve and grow. How can someone who is not at the very top of an organization, how can they do, how can they impact, impact the, the world around them so that they can help be a part of the future of the organization? Well, I think ideas, I think uh, working in teams, I think uh, helping systems develop. I find that organizations that drive change effectively typically have a clear idea of what the deliverables are. They typically assign a champion 
they have a budget, and they have a time frame, and then they measure those. And th with those four elements, you can drive change responsibly. And I think being any playing any role in that process of those four, you can you can be quite effective. And if your organization doesn't have those four elements, is not measuring those, help them set it up. All right, the last one, and I, I saved this last, even though it wasn't the one you, you did last, because I think it's going to impact every single person that listens to the podcast. You talk about one of the skill sets is really about uh, like holding really good meetings. What are your tips to hold really good meetings? Because if you could take away the not good meetings, how much more effective could business be? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, people spend their lives in ineffective meetings. The wrong people are there. The agenda is diffuse. The room's not big enough, it's too big, it's too cold, people are uncomfortable, there's no follow-up to the agenda. I mean, the the problem with most meetings is uh, is inf nearly infinite. I think if you define a meeting as basically any time more than one person meets and has a conversation, what that means is 90% of our day is spent in meetings. And I think if we can get the idea that meetings are really the way we get things done, and by having clarity around an agenda and having the right people there and having follow-up, doing what I call daisy-chaining the meetings. So whatever we had in the last agenda, we report on in the next uh, meeting. And so there's a connection, meeting to meeting. How many times have you sat in on a meeting and you say, how did this relate to the last time we met? Yeah. Nobody can remember. Um, and then I find having meetings early is better than late. And that means early in the day, early in the week, early in the month, because people can then do things about them. But getting, I think if you can get the meeting rhythm right, uh, it changes the way things get done in an organization. Okay. One more big question. And, and, and this is, uh, you know, when you really think about what you wanted to accomplish with this book, and when you think about what you want the listeners to, to kind of take away from from what they've heard today and what they'll what they'll dive into with the book what's the one thing you want to get across so to me i think if you learn this set of tools uh, you can have a quantum leap in your effectiveness the effectiveness in your organization you know we see for example congress uh, gets virtually nothing done because they're at each other's throats they don't trust each other they don't have a clear agenda and they're a highly political organization. They don't behave as entrepreneurial leaders. You see a lot of institutions where they are bogged down in administrivia. Um, and so I think if you're an entrepreneurial leader, you really develop these skills, these tools that allow you to move from A to B seamlessly, effectively, get the right teams together. Um, and people feel respected. They feel like they're part of a winning team. They feel like they, they're doing something meaningful. And that changes the whole equation. Great advice and, and, uh, and great, uh, great insights from you. Joel Peterson, thank you so much. If people want to dig a little bit deeper into your world, if they want to learn a little bit more about you or follow you, uh, where would you send them? So I've just learned this today, that I have a website called joelcpeterson.com. I love that. You just learned that today? Yeah. <laughs> you are a busy man. So that's joelcpeterson.com. And so that'll be a great way for people to, to connect with you and see the, the work you're doing and, and some of the future things as well. Joel, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for joining us today on the Leader Chat Podcast. Thank you, Chad. Enjoyed being with you.
And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or wherever you're listening. And please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. Thanks again to our guests for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard. Thanks, Chad. I really enjoyed your interview with Joel Peterson about his new book, Entrepreneurial Leadership. I love the subtitle. It's the art of launching new ventures, inspiring others, and running stuff. (laughs) How do you like that running stuff? That's what he's really talking about, I think, getting results. It's really about championing uh, new innovative uh, approaches, you know, keeping the organization going and vital and learning. And uh, I love right in the beginning that Joel distinguishes between being an entrepreneur and an entrepreneurial leader. An entrepreneur can get something started, you know. He, they're creative and they, they have an idea of how to start a new organization. But it's the entrepreneurial leader that knows how to take that and build on it and grow on it and make it a viable organization. And Joel really focuses on four skills that I think it's important for you all to share with your people. The first one is establishing trust. And boy, he really builds on that because if people don't feel that you trust them and they aren't going to trust you and everybody's going to be running around covering themselves uh, and uh, not really doing the work that they need, people need to know that you got their back, that you think that they're on their team. And so he really hits hard the establishing of trust. Second is uh, creating a sense of mission because leadership is about going somewheres. And entrepreneurial leaders, they know how to help uh, pull together with people a sense of mission, a sense of direction. Third is building a a cohesive team. And uh, that means, you know, once you got the mission, you need people to uh, go for it and build on it and accomplish it. And and all, and so it's all a people organization. And then finally, he talks about the whole concept of, uh, uh, you know, getting results, uh, executing and delivering results, because that's what you finally need to do. And so I, I think this is really good stuff. Uh, here, this guy Joel, here he is. He's the president of of JetBlue. But he also has his own entrepreneurial organization. He's an adjunct professor at Stanford. I mean, this guy has been around the barn, and he really seems to sense that leadership is not about you. It's about the people you gather around you. And that's where you kind of build that cohesive cohesive team. And so, boy, thanks, uh, Chad. I appreciate this, and I recommend all of you listening is get this guy's book, I'll listen to this tape, share this with us, because we're not just talking about entrepreneurial organizations, we're talking about all organizations, you know, uh, in every, every sense of it. 
So thanks, Joel. You're all right. I recommend you to folks. And Chad, you know, I'm a big fan of yours too. Ah, take care of yourself. Uh, God bless. God bless.